Woman House. Woman House. Woman House. Woman House. À force d'y être, peut-être que la maison m'est apparue comme un contenant. C'est une vision que je traduis là. C'est pas une idée. On peut voir une maison comme un lieu où on se réfugie, on vient chercher un rassurement. La sécurité, la famille, la douceur du foyer, etc. Woman House, Camille Morino. The text by Marguerite Duras that I am going to read is from one of my favorite books, entitled Writing, published in 1993 by Gallimard, three years before the author's death. She was 79 years old when she wrote this both magnificent and courageous confession about isolation as a condition of creation. I have preciously kept this book in my library for years. And if I needed to go live on a deserted island, it would be one of the rare objects that I would take with me. I love it for several reasons, some of which are personal, other formal, but also because it is an engaged text. Duras addressed the questions, not of feminine literary creation, but of literary creation from the female perspective. She is a woman who writes, who sees writing as a necessity, who is able to take risks. She is looking for trouble. She doesn't spare herself of it. The style is also extremely risky. At times spoken, at times written, it is fragmented with no apparent narrative. As if Duras was speaking to herself or wandering around her home. The speech is intimate. She tells the story of the strong relationship between the novelist and her home in the Yvelines, in Neaufle-le-Château. Marguerite Duras lived there for nearly 30 years, almost alone, except for a few passing lovers. Her solitude in this large house, disproportionate for one person, is a suffering. Yet, it is an imposed suffering that is mixed with the difficulty of writing. This solitude was a component of her writing, alcohol, too, which allowed her to hold on. The confession is therefore extreme, without any embellishment. In this essay, Writing, Marguerite Duras cites several books that she had written in Neuf-le-Château and that she considered essential to her body of work. The Ravishing of Lolstein, written in 1964, and The Vice-Consul, written in 1966. Duras is one of the great female novelists of the 20th century. She adapted many of her books to theatre as well as cinema. In 1984, she won the Goncourt Prize for her novel, The Lover. It is in a house that one is alone, not outside it, but inside. Outside in the garden, there are birds and cats, and also once a squirrel and a ferret. One isn't alone in the garden. 
But inside the house, one is so alone that one can lose one's bearings. Only now do I realize I've been here for 10 years, alone, to write books that have let me know and others know that I was the writer I am. How did that happen and how can one express it? What I can say is that the kind of solitude found in Nofl was created by me, for me, and that only in this house am I alone, to write. To write, not as I had up until then, but to write books still unknown to me and not yet decided on by me and not decided on by anyone. It was there that I wrote The Ravishing of Lorstein and The Vice Consul and then others after them. I understood that I was alone with my writing, alone and far away from everything. That might have lasted for 10 years. I'm not sure anymore. I've rarely counted the time spent waiting for Robert Antelm and Mary Louise, his younger sister. After that, I stopped counting. A person who writes books must always be enveloped by a separation from others. That is one kind of solitude. It is the solitude of the author, of writing. To begin with, one must ask oneself what the silence surrounding one is. With practically every step one takes in a house, at every moment of the day in every kind of light, whether light from outside or from lamps lit in daytime. This real, corporeal solitude becomes the inviolable silence of writing. I've never spoken of this to anyone. By the time of my first solitude, I had already discovered that what I had to do was write. I'd already gotten confirmation of this from Raymond Queneau, the only judgment Raymond Cano ever pronounced was this sentence, do nothing but write. Writing was the only thing that populated my life and made it magic. I did it. Writing never left me. My room is not a bed, neither here nor in Paris nor in Trouville. It's a certain window, a certain table, habits of black ink, untraceable marks of black ink, a certain chair, and certain habits that I always maintain wherever I go, wherever I am, even in places where I don't write, such as hotel rooms, like the habit of keeping whiskey in my luggage, in case of insomnia or sudden despair. 
During that time I had lovers. I was rarely without at least one lover. They got used to the solitude in Nofle, and its charm sometimes allowed them to write books in turn. I rarely gave those lovers my books to read. Women should not let lovers read the books they write. When I had finished a chapter, I hid it from them. This thing is so true for me that I wonder how one can manage elsewhere or otherwise when one is a woman and one has a husband or lover. One must also, in such cases, hide the love of one's husband from lovers. Mine has never been replaced. I know this every day of my life. One does not find solitude, one creates it. Solitude is created alone. I have created it. Because I decided that here was where I should be alone, that I would be alone to write books. It happened this way. I was alone in this house. I shut myself in. Of course I was afraid. And then I began to love it. This house became the house of writing. My books come from this house from this light as well and from the garden, from the light reflecting off the pond. It has taken me 20 years to write what I just said. One can walk from one end of this house to the other, yes, and one can also come and go, and then there is the garden. In it, there are thousand-year-old trees and trees that are still young, and there are larches, apple trees, the walnut tree, plum trees, a cherry tree. The apricot tree is dead. Outside my room is the fabulous rose bush from the Atlantic man. A weeping willow. There are also Japanese cherries and irises. And beneath the window of the music room, there is a camellia, which Dionys Mascolo planted for me. First, I furnished this house, and then I had it repainted, and then, maybe two years after that, my life with it began. I finished Lolstein here. I wrote the ending here and in Trouville by the sea. Alone? No, I wasn't alone. There was a man with me at the time, but we didn't speak. As I was writing, we had to avoid talking about books. Men cannot stand a woman who writes. That's a cruel thing for men. It's hard for all of them, except for Robert A. Solitude also means either death or a book. 
but first and foremost it means alcohol. It means whiskey. Up until now I have never, really never been able, or else I'd have to search way back. I've never been able to start a book without finishing it. I've never written a book that wasn't already its own justification while it was being written, no matter what book it was, everywhere, in every season. And I discovered this passion in Les Yvelines, in this very house. I finally had a house in which I could hide in order to write books. I wanted to live in this house. What for? That's how it began, as a joke. Maybe to write, I told myself. Maybe I could. I had already started books that I'd abandoned. I'd even forgotten their titles. The Vice Consul? No, I never abandoned that one. I often think of it. I no longer think of Lolstein. No one can know Lolstein, not you and not me. I've never entirely understood what Lacan said about her. I was floored by Lacan, that statement of his. She must never know that she's writing what she writes because she would be lost and that would be a tragedy. That statement has become a kind of identity principle for me, permission to speak in a sense totally alien to women. Finding yourself in a hole, at the bottom of a hole, in almost total solitude, and discovering that only writing can save you. To be without the slightest subject for a book, the slightest idea for a book, is to find yourself once again before a book. A vast emptiness, a possible book, before nothing. Before something like living, naked writing, like something terrible, terrible to overcome. I believe that the person who writes does not have any ideas for a book, that her hands are empty, her head is empty, and that all she knows of this adventure, this book, is dry, naked writing, without a future, without echo, distant, with only its elementary golden rules, spelling. in Neufle-le-Château with money from the film rights to my book The Sea Wall. It was mine. It was in my name. The purchase came before my writing mania, that volcano. I think this house had a lot to do with it. The house consoled me for all the pain of my childhood. In buying it, I immediately knew I had done something important for myself, something definitive, something for me alone and for my child for the first time in my life. And I looked after it and I cleaned it. I took great care of it. 
Afterward, when I became absorbed in my books, I took less care of it. Writing goes very far, to the point of being over and done with. Sometimes it's untenable. Everything suddenly takes on meaning with respect to what is written. It's enough to drive you insane. You no longer know the people you know, and the ones you don't know you think you've been expecting. No doubt it's simply that I was already, a little more than others, tired of living. It was a state of pain, without suffering. I did not try to protect myself from other people, especially people who knew me. I wasn't sad. I was desperate. I had launched into the most difficult task I ever faced. My lover from Lahore, writing his life, writing the vice consul. I must have spent three years on that book. I couldn't talk about it because the slightest intrusion into the book, the slightest objective opinion, would have erased everything of that book. Another kind of writing by me, corrected, would have destroyed the writing of the book and my own knowledge of that book. The illusion one has, entirely correct, of being the only one to have written what one has written, no matter if it's worthless or marvellous. And when I read my reviews, most of the time I responded to the fact that people said it was like nothing else. In other words, that it reconnected with the initial solitude of the author. This house, here in Norfle, I thought I'd also bought it for my friends to have them come visit, but I was wrong. I bought it for myself. It's only now that I know it and say it. Finding yourself in a finding hole, yourself in a hole, the bottom of a hole, at the bottom of a hole, in almost total, in almost solitude, total solitude, and discovering that and only discovering writing that only can save writing you. can save you. Woman House is a podcast produced by Aware, with the support of Belinda de Godemar, directed by Elodie Royer. Original music by Andrew Nelson. <laughs>